I want you to think about what it is that you do, what you make, and what you give your time to develop and cultivate. You can call this your vocation, your passion, your ambition. Some may call it their career, or you might call it something else. But no matter what you call it, do you get the sense of the question? You have a limited time in this world. How will you use it? What will you be about? What will you be known for? <laughs> I want you to think about that. Someone I used to be connected to years ago, who goes by the name Dave Dobbert, introduces himself to groups that he speaks to with a short story about his change in career. He started off as an engineer for Caterpillar. He is an incredibly smart guy. For various reasons, many I don't remember, he felt compelled to leave engineering and enter full-time ministry as a pastor. So after making preparations to begin seminary, he resigned from his engineering position. Now in his going away party put on by his coworkers, they congratulated him and wished him the best as you do at events like that, right? We've all been a part of that. However, however, there was an additional comment made to Dave that is never said, never comes up at these kinds of parties. A number of people told him this, we are happy that you are moving on to a higher calling. Another way of saying that is something bigger, something better, something more important than what you're doing now. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you take Jesus' words at face value, you would assume that to follow Jesus is to give up everything that you value, to walk away from a comfortable life, to walk away from family in pursuit of the kingdom of God. No wonder Dave's co-workers said that he was moving on to a higher calling. This discipleship thing is hard. It's ridiculously hard requiring complete dedication and singleness of purpose. So I guess only people with a really high calling would want to do this, right? 
would actually want to put themselves through this process. So, do you know what Dave thought about those higher calling comments? He told us that they were such BS comments. His language was far more explicit. And I, I guess I happen to agree completely with him. In fact, to believe that, that only those who are professional religious folks have a higher, bigger, better calling in life assumes that those in the world of accounting or education or nursing or in diesel engine repair or in lawn maintenance or in anything else cannot possibly be full, committed, passionate followers of Jesus, which is just not true. When these off-putting words in Luke's Gospel about Jesus' disciples leaving everything behind, including their families to follow him, get taken as black and white commandments, as thou shalt do these things, and not hyperbolic language used to emphasize the enormous impact discipleship will have on those who practice and receive the way of Jesus, we miss the whole point of this. There is a cost to the kingdom of God, but it's not what many of you may think. So again, let me ask you this. What do you do? What do you make? What do you give your time to develop, to cultivate? What do you consider your vocation, your passion, your ambition, your career? What are you about in your limited time on this planet? So I want you to keep this question in mind as I switch gears slightly. One of Bethlehem's many ministries is a service and learning trip that takes place each summer for high school students. Now, I want you to have a little bit of context on what this is and is not because it's different from what a lot of people naturally assume. So Matt Metz develops and leads this ministry and he wrote a piece about it that I want you to hear. I want to share it with you. And in this piece he says this, in the past these types of summer trips were often referred to as mission trips. While we are guided by God's mission for Bethlehem, the term mission trip has come to have a negative connotation. In the past some who have taken a trip like this may have also brought with them a viewpoint that somehow they were taking God to the people of another less fortunate part of the country or world, or even help to save people they were going to work with. It's the idea that we have God and you don't, so we need to bring God to you. What we emphasize and believe at Bethlehem is this. God is already there doing redeeming work in the world, doing good work in the world. God has been in the world longer than any of us have been on the planet and will continue to work long after we're all gone. That is why we use the accompaniment model for our youth trips. One definition of accompaniment is a musical part that supports or partners with a solo instrument voice or group. So we are not 
taking the song to the people to hear for the first time, God's already been there teaching people the song. We are invited to support and partner with the people who are already singing God's song in their communities. As we accompany the people of Colorado, we share, we learn, we grow, and we continue to add our support, our supporting part, to God's song in the world, even when we return home. Now, again, that comes from Matt, and it perfectly describes what this ministry is, is all about. So our group got back from, from Denver, Colorado on Sunday afternoon. I mean, it, it was a nine-day trip. Not that long, but enough time to learn from others what discipleship looks like, what cost it has, and the impact that it, that it can occur when we follow in the way of Christ. <laughs> so let me tell you what, what we learned. Discipleship looks like Sue Poet, who in her retirement draws from her passion for the land and gardening to grow produce that supplies two nonprofits that address food insecurity. Hundreds of meals come from her massive garden. It looks like a guy named Tiger, who stopped being a pastor in a traditional church to accompany the homeless population while distributing new shoes a street ministry that now impacts thousands of people a year. It looks like Isaac and Ben, college students who are interning at Brothers Redevelopment, which works to preserve the dignity of low-income senior citizens by fixing their homes to allow them to age in place. I mean, there are and were a lot of other examples, but, but I'm going to stop there because this is what I want you to know. After seeing all of this, a number of our students came to a similar realization. When reflecting on the week, they said something like this, you don't need to be a big organization to impact people's lives. One person, one ordinary person working from his or her passion can impact the lives of so many people. <laughs> so let me uh, rephrase this for you. Discipleship, following Jesus, is all about ordinary individuals engaging their passions for the sake of the other, for the sake of God's kingdom. So it does not matter where you work. It doesn't matter your physical ability, your mental capacity, your intellectual presence, your social standing, your wealth. It doesn't matter how you earn your money or what career field you are in. There is no such thing as a higher calling. All of us are equal in this. Do you like numbers? Great! Use that passion for God's kingdom. Do you like people? Great! Use that gift and do what Jesus taught us. Are you mechanically minded? Fantastic! Help build God's kingdom with it. The world is filled with people carrying out God's mission. Some don't even know it. God's kingdom comes to pass regardless of our obligation to our families or what we do or who we are. God brings out God's kingdom in small ways 
with small people that make a profound impact on those who experience it. And there is a cost to all of this. There is, no, there is a cost. Failing to see that you are a disciple called to follow Christ. Failing to see that you have gifts. Failing to utilize your passions means that others don't benefit from your gift. It means that people go hungry. It means that people go unloved. It means that people lose their homes. They lose their hope. And it also means that you are deprived from the gift of generosity, from being connected to God and others, from the sense that your life and your passions are being used to create the world that God dreams of, a world that is characterized by compassion, and mercy, and peace. Yeah, there's a cost to all of this. So again, for the last time, let me ask you this. What do you do? What do you make? What do you give your time to develop, to cultivate? What do you consider your vocation, your passion, your ambition, your career? How will you use your gifts to be disciples following Jesus to build the kingdom of God? Discipleship is, is often confusing for people. It's not hard or scary or something reserved for a select few. It's what we're all called to do, which is the good news we hear today. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. So after hearing our focused reading for today and the reflection on that reading, here are a couple of questions for you that you can discuss with your family, journal about, or think about individually to help you develop a deeper and more robust faith. So question number one, do you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus? Do you believe that you have unique gifts, talents, and or passions that can be used for the benefit of others. Think about that. And then question number two is this. Think about a person you know who has made a significant impact in your life. What simple thing did he or she do to make such an impact? 